You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together again during another podcast. We thank you that you are here. You are here with us. You are here in us. And you know everything about us. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know the thoughts that we think before we think them. You know the words that we speak before we speak them. You know everything that is in our heart. You know what our hidden motives are. You know what our biggest dreams are, what our fears are, what our deepest desires are. And Father, you are good. You are for us. You're a good dad. And it is your pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so we just ask you today that as we jump in to scripture, that you just guide us where you want to go. Holy Spirit, we give you freedom to enlighten our eyes and grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. We lean on you. And we expect you to speak to every single listener today. We expect this to be a word in due season, a word that encourages, a word that edifies, a word that comforts, and a word that propels us into more manifestation of Jesus' victory on the cross. And so we just give you praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Well, welcome. Welcome back to my podcast. This is the, the first one I've done in a while. You know, I think the world went crazy since I did my last podcast, but thank goodness that we are not of this world, that we have an inheritance, an imperishable inheritance that is in another realm and that we have access to a reality that is not of this world. And as I jump back into doing our podcast on a regular basis, I had some time off, obviously, to to think about a lot of things and to plan out really what I wanted to do with the direction of this podcast and the things that were on my heart that I wanted to share with you guys, even in the midst of probably one of the craziest years that we can remember on record, I really wanted this podcast to be a reminder of the truth and a place that you can come when you need to be reminded of the truth. There are a lot of voices in the world right now that can get us off on all kinds of tangents. But I want to remind you guys that Jesus is Lord, that he is on the throne, and that none of this is a surprise to him. In fact, in just the the last love note from dad that I sent out last week, uh, I really liked the title of it. And I liked, I mean, it was a, one of my, one of my favorite words that I had heard from the Father in a while, and and the title of it was Relax, I Got This. And I'll tell you, relaxing in the midst of the crazy 
is a huge part of our inheritance in Christ. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And now more than ever, I believe that we need to find that anchor for our soul, that place of peace that exists inside of Christ. And yes, there's a lot of things being shaken in this hour. There are the foundations of a lot of our institutions, the foundations seemingly of the very fabric of our society in some cases is being shaken. So much turmoil and unrest in our cities. There's violence, division. But I want you to be reminded today that you have a source of life that is not found in anything external. You have a fountain, a never-ending fountain of life. You have streams of living water that flow from within you. And even in the midst of everything going on, there is a place of refreshment for you. There is a place of peace for you and that place is found in the presence of God and connecting with the presence of God is something that all of us need to just make a part of our our life (laughs) I was gonna say it's more than a part of our day it's more than just a part of you know a morning ritual a devotion time that we have it's really meant to be a way of being that we are called to abide in jesus abide in the vine and abide if you will in the presence of god What that looks like is it it looks like a spirit-filled life. It looks like us receiving revelation from the mind of God. It looks like us perceiving things from a completely different perspective than what's being presented to us in the media or being presented to us by people that are not abiding in the vine. And never before in my life has the concept of abiding in the vine been more necessary and more uh, critical. You know, it is so easy to scroll through, say, social media or get caught up in the latest headlines or the latest COVID counts or whatever the, you know, the, the hour or, you know, news is reporting, whatever, whatever bad, tragic thing is happening in the world. And I'm not suggesting that we hide our, you know, heads in the sand like an ostrich or something, but I am suggesting that we hide ourselves inside of Christ and that we become carriers of an alternative reality 
in a world that is deathly afraid, in a world that is easily intimidated, easily offended, I am suggesting that we have an opposing position, that we have an opposing atmosphere in this chaos that we find ourselves in. And the only way that that happens is that you and I must learn to rest. We must learn to sleep in the midst of storms. We must learn to live out of a place of union and communion and intimacy with God that keeps us stable and rooted and grounded in the midst of instability. I have a feeling that before this election ends in November, that it's going to get louder, it's going to get uglier, it's going to get potentially more offensive and divisive. And I just want to encourage you today to feed off of the tree of life. To eat from the tree that produces the fruit of the spirit in our lives, of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, rather than eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when I say eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I, I'm really talking about the tree of human judgment. I'm talking about this judgment that is permeating the world today and causing human beings to look at each other as the enemy and to two sides of political aisles rather than making Jesus's commandment to love our neighbor as we love ourselves our primary ambition. Love is the aim of the church. Jesus said in his prayer before he was crucified and went to the cross that the world would know us by our love for one another. And he prayed that we would experience a union and a unity with one another, the same kind of union and unity that the Trinity enjoys, that Jesus the Father and the Holy Spirit enjoys. And it's really easy to forget the purpose of the church, which is to make disciples and to preach the good news, to preach the gospel of the kingdom in the midst of so much other news being preached at us every single day. Jesus 
was not only not of this world, he was not a man who participated in the traditional religious or political systems of his day. He was a revolutionary because of his love for sinners. He was a revolutionary because of operating from another reality, from heaven's reality, from another place of authority. When he stood before those that ultimately would send him to the cross, when he stood before Pilate, he said, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. And I think it's really easy for believers to get caught up in nationalistic agendas and forget the kingdom agenda. And it's also really easy for the church to mix them up and somehow think that the kingdom's agenda and America's agenda are one and the same. And I don't know that I really plan to be, get all controversial on this particular podcast, but I do feel I have the heart of God on this matter. And I do believe that God's agenda in this hour is to shake the church awake so that it comes back to the simple truth that love never fails. When you go and read 1 Corinthians, and I want to just take a moment and read that in a moment, but when you read 1 Corinthians, I mean, this is right, the, the scripture that is read at every wedding. I actually just went to a wedding this last weekend, and they didn't read it. It was probably the first one I ever went to. But most of the time, you know, you read the, you know, you hear 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings. But a lot of times it's not necessarily, even though we can recite a lot of it or we can, we've memorized it, it's not necessarily a scripture that we go to is like our life depended on it. And I really believe at the end of our lives, the one burning question that Jesus is going to ask us is this, did you learn to love? And love is a funny thing, especially the love of God. Um, Agape love, which is demonstrated by Jesus dying for his enemies, dying for those who insulted him, dying for those who were dividing his clothes and casting his lot, you know, casting lots for them while he's on the cross, dying for, you know, the people that put him there. (laughs) That kind of life, love, is a love that lays down its life, not just for friends, 
but it's a love that lays down its life for enemies. And I just have to say that while I've taken maybe this break from this podcast, I don't even know that I even planned to really take a break. It just kind of got thrust upon me and gosh, with everything that was going on, I just felt, I just didn't feel grace, honestly, to do things, you know, the same way that I'd always done them. And, but one of the things that I, I did have grace to do, and honestly, it's kind of interesting, is, is I, I think I just went into observer mode. And if you know me, that's not necessarily the kind of mode that you would normally say I operate from. Uh, I'm a very kind of, uh, I don't know, just, you know, when I'm there, I'm, I show up, right? I, I have something to say. I've got uh, an opinion about it. But I, I really felt wisdom. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I think there's probably a lot of us that have been in this mode, even though there's been a lot of people in very loud, obnoxious mode too, but of just observing. And I think what I observed was a church that was missing the point. I think I observed a church that was more concerned with being right and enforcing what was right than laying down its life for those who don't know Jesus. And maybe that's a harsh judgment, and, but I just have never seen so much ugly, <laughs> honestly, uh, coming from people who profess to know Jesus. And I believe that God's heart is grieved, not because America is losing its whatever, you know, insert the phrase there that you want to say, the downfall of America or whatever that, whatever issue that people are defending. I believe that God's heart is grieved because we've missed the point. And when I read the Gospels, I see Jesus confronting people who have missed the point. I see him coming after religious, moral people who have made the law right and wrong more important than love. And practically, what that means is that fear 
has got to be cast out of our lives. Because the opposite of love, beloved, is not hatred. The opposite of love is fear. Perfect love doesn't cast out hatred. Perfect love casts out fear. And as I sat back and watched really all of this just ugliness going on between believers and between believers and unbelievers, and obviously between unbelievers and unbelievers, but that's not necessarily who this podcast is made for. This is a a podcast for people who confess to know Jesus. But as I sat and watched it, I, I didn't just see hatred, and I just didn't see offense. What I saw was fear, but I also saw a church that is just straight up triggered. And if you know much about my ministry or you know much about my work, I mean, the name of my company is called Rethink. And I named it that because of Romans 12:2, which says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Rethink, obviously, is a play on renewing your mind. And if you're familiar with my, my work or what I do in my company or my school, Emergent School of Transformation, or my graduate program, I mean, it's 100% about renewing our mind so that we are transformed into the image of Jesus. And when I say transformed into the image of Jesus, I should, bet, I should say it another way. I really mean transfigured into the image of Jesus, which is a better translation of the Greek word that's translated transformed in that verse. I'm going somewhere here. Just bear with me. But when I say my work is about transfiguring the church or transfiguring the body of Christ, I say that because we have to remember that our destiny, granted we all have different destinies, we all have different calls on our life, but our ultimate destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to the image of love. God is love. What kind of love? Perfect love. What kind of love? Unconditional love. And the crazy thing about fear and about triggers is that people lose their minds. If you don't know what a trigger is, (laughs) well, I encourage you to do a little bit of research because for the most part, the church is unaware that it's triggered. And for the most part, most believers don't even recognize that a large percentage of the time when they are emotionally upset or feeling something besides the fruit of the Spirit, that it's because they're dealing with a trigger. They're dealing with an emotional trigger. So without, I mean, I could dedicate an entire podcast to this topic, and I might, but without going into it in too depth, let me just define what a trigger is. So 
The brain is an amazing, an amazing organ. It has trillions of neurotransmitters that are processing information at a rate that until, you know, just recent times would, could not be matched even by computers. I mean, now we have supercomputers and we have artificial intelligence, so that's no longer the case. But still, I can tell you, the brain processing power is so incredibly fast and advanced. And our minds, which are not our brains, but our minds use our brains, are incredible as well. There's multiple parts of our brains. We have a conscious brain or conscious mind. We also have a subconscious mind. And whether you realize it or not, we've all been programmed. And we've all been programmed according to the pattern of this world. And it's why our minds must be renewed. And this programming comes from all of our life experiences. It comes from our family of origin. It comes from our church experiences. It comes from, you know, our school experiences, uh, our, our romantic experiences. And over the course of our life, because most of us have not, you know, sat at the feet of Jesus since the day we were born and learned to think with the mind of Christ, most of us have all kinds of ungodly thinking patterns or strongholds or programming that has been installed into our subconscious minds. And what happens whenever we experience something in our lives, so whether we experience, you know, an argument with a coworker, or we experience, you know, an angry driver cutting us off. I mean, our reactions to the things that we experience are pre-programmed. And they happen so quickly that most of us are not even aware of where that programming was originally installed. And so I'm sharing this to, you know, a practical example of this. Let me just give a, a practical example of how a trigger works. Uh, I use this example a lot. Uh, and it's just the example of a husband and wife driving in a car together. And if you're married, you know this one well, where maybe it's the husband driving and the wife is just simply helping by giving the husband directions. Maybe the couple's running late. And so she reminds the husband, hey, at the next red light, don't forget to turn left. We're going to be late, honey. And you would think the husband would be so thankful for his wife's friendly reminder about the directions, but no, instead, he turns to her and says, what, do you want to drive? Do you want me to pull over right now? Do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I don't know where we're going? Do you think that I don't have my own driver's license, that I can get us to our destination? And instead of just having you know, a loving response back, there's this level of anger and this anger that comes out of him. And what I want to propose to you today is that that is not just because the husband is a jerk. It's because there is thinking underlying that response. And that thinking is stored at a subconscious level. And the husband is unaware that he is reacting not to his wife's 
friendly suggesting suggestions about driving, but rather an unresolved wound that is, has not been healed in his heart. In my work that I do with our clients, we get underneath that thinking and we get underneath the things that are driving human behavior. We get into those strongholds to uncover and transform the programs that are driving us. In this example that comes from a real life example, this husband in one of his sessions with one of our facilitators, when they go into prayer about the situation, the Holy Spirit brings him back to a memory when he was a little boy, when he was six years old and was learning how to ride a bike. And he gets on the bicycle, and his dad says, hey, son, when you get to the end of the driveway, make a left around the garage, circle around, and come back. But when he gets to the end of the, the driveway, instead of being able to make a left, he hits a rock, falls over on the bike, crashes, and bends the spoke of the wheel. And his father comes screaming at him, what? Do you know how long I had to work to buy this bike for you? You are such an idiot. You can't do anything right. Give me that bike. Go put it away. We're not doing, we're done here. And goes inside the house. And as the Holy Spirit began, begins to reveal what's actually underlying his reaction to his wife, it comes to light that because of that experience, that husband believed that he was worthless, that no matter what he did, he could never get it right. And all of a sudden, some light is shed on how his reaction to his wife had nothing to do with his actual wife giving him directions, but his brain was actually returning the response based upon this experience with his dad. It wasn't about a left turn at a red light. It was about a failed left turn on a bicycle. And I share that example with you because I, it might feel like a rabbit trail, but I, this is what I recognize when I see the level of upset that is happening in the church right now. And just the outbursts and the anger and the drive to protect an American agenda rather than a drive to be known by our love. And I guess I'm sharing this as, as the topic for my first podcast back. Because, beloved, at the end of the day, no matter who wins the presidential election here in America, no matter what happens with COVID and our freedoms, the standard by which we conduct ourselves must be 
the standard of love. And so let me just remind you what love actually looks like and what love actually feels like. Love in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in inequity. And it, yeah. But rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I'm going to go back to verse 1 now. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and although I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I'm going to go back to verse 8. It says, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when that is perfect comes, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now... Abide, faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. If I had my wish, I would have a a corporate (laughs) meditation project for the body of Christ really for the rest of the year. And I would tell them and tell us that it's time to grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus. That it's time to put away our political agendas and major on the kingdom's agenda. That it's time to grow in patience. It's time to grow in humility. It's time to grow in being slow to anger and slow to speak. It's time to grow in our ability to listen and to be empathetic and to put ourselves in our neighbor's shoes. It's time to give our enemy 
our shirt, and our coat. And it's time to turn the other cheek. It's time to learn how to love, not just those who love us, but to love our enemies. It's time to, to, to pray for those who use us, who persecute us. And it's time to lay down the judgment. It is time to be merciful. It is time to forgive. It is time to repent, not for the ways that we think that America needs to repent, but we need to repent for hypocrisy. And we need to repent for trying to take the splinter out of our brother's eye when we have a big old fat log in our own. And I know this may be a little harsh, <laughs> and I pray that, that you can receive it. But I know this. I believe that the current circumstances are perfect. Not because I'm for COVID or I'm for, you know, rioting or I'm for any of that. I'm not for any of that. But what I am for is for the motives of our hearts being revealed. I am for the ugliness coming to the surface so that it can be dealt with. Here's what I know in all of my years of ministry in helping people own and heal through the grace of God. That until we can see ourselves and take ownership for the way that we individually need to be changed and the way that we individually are not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit and our own unkindness and our own short-temperedness and our own easily offended ways, then we have no place correcting others. Serving people is what changes people. Jesus said the greatest among us are servants. And he put his robe of a servant on and washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus was in the trenches with unclean people. He preached the gospel to the woman at the well who no one that was a male Jewish 
rabbi, much less just even a male Jewish person, would even speak to. And so instead of dividing against those that see things differently, what if the answer was personal transformation? What if the answer was, Holy Spirit, take the log out of my eye? Holy Spirit, deal with me. Holy Spirit, show me myself. What if repentance begins in the house of God? What if the move of the Holy Spirit is to bring repentance, not to America, but to the church? And what if these circumstances were the perfect circumstances to bring the dross and the ugly right to the surface so that we can repent. I know a lot of people, when they hear this message, won't even listen to it. We're so blinded at times by our own pride. Pride is just that. It it is blinding. And so is a log, by the way. You can't see when you've got a log in your eye. You can't see when you're blinded by the emotion of your own trigger. Do you really believe that if your wife would change and she would stop giving you directions in the car, that you would be a good husband? And it's not about picking on husbands. That's a wife or a husband scenario. But I want to, if you've made it this far in the podcast, here's what I want to do. First of all, I want to I want to commend you because I believe you were led here by the Holy Spirit to listen to this because you're a part of the solution. And I don't believe the solution is going to come through the election. I believe it's going to come from people who have personally repented. I'll end with this. God gave me a word years ago, and he said, Shalise, Your personal repentance affects the whole. And when he said that, I I kind of got just a picture of the body and how if one part of the body is hurting or one part of the body is diseased, it affects the whole body. I mean, if you've ever just like stumped your toe, (laughs) you know, you know, it's like it takes over your whole body. And that really hit me. You know, your personal repentance, my personal repentance affects the whole. And so it does matter. The condition of your heart matters. Getting the log out of your eye so that you can discern and see clearly to help your brother is so powerful. And I can tell you this, that humility opens the door for people to listen. And that love never, 
ever fails. And so, Father, I just thank you that you are doing something different than maybe what we anticipated, but that you are faithful, that your grace is sufficient, and that there is grace to repent. There is grace to renew our minds. There is grace to be healed. There is your grace. Your grace is sufficient. When we are weak, you are strong. And so, Father, I just pray that every person that has a heart to hear this message today, every person that has a heart and feels similar or resonates with this, Father, I pray that you would give them practical strategy. I know for me, it's very much been about quiet. It's been very much about getting freer and freer and freer (laughs) in this season of crazy. And so, God, I just release freedom. I release freedom to love. Freedom to not react. Freedom to think with you and feel with you and live from that place in your presence of peace and safety knowing that you have a purpose. You have a purpose in all of this, and you have a purpose for us in it. You have a part for us to play in it. And whether that's just loving people well in our own circles, or whether that's stepping out on some platform or in some way, Father, we are led by you. And we say yes to your agenda. We say yes to your, the move of your spirit. And we give you permission and we give you access in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll be back on the podcast here on a regular basis. And I just encourage you to tune in and take part. You are loved and we're praying for you. God bless. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. Or you can visit www.thepathfreebook.com And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then take that first step and contact us by email at info at shalise.com. To inquire about working with Shalise and enrolling in Emerge School of Transformation. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.